You're listening to an encore presentation of A Place of Peace. Have you ever thought of yourself as being captured, in need of being rescued? Have you ever thought of rescuing? Have you ever thought of a place of peace being at the foot of the cross? Have you ever thought of Jesus Christ as the ambush predator? And what is an ambush predator? Hello everyone. Welcome to A Place of Peace. Peggy Stanton here, your host. Today we are going to examine the gospel in an out-of-the-box approach. Our guest is one of the most out-of-the-box preachers in America, which is what makes him one of the most listened-to preachers in America. I'm talking about Father John Ricardo, who pastored and grew one of the largest and most dynamic parishes in the Detroit Archdiocese, Our Lady of Good Counsel in Plymouth, Michigan, and who is now the founder and executive director of Acts 29, an apostolate designed to equip clergy and laity for the apostolic age in which we're now living. He has just released a book called Rescued, which dramatizes the gospel without changing it in ways you have never thought of the gospel. The book is divided into four parts, each one under the headline of just one word, created, captured, rescued, response. And we want to spend time with each word. When Father's finished, you'll be thinking of the gospel story in a unique and hopefully energized way. I think this approach is so important and memorable that for the first time ever, I'm devoting two shows to one book. The first show will tackle the first two words, created and captured. And the second show, which will be next weekend, will dwell on the words rescued and response. So we have a lot to digest, so we need to get started. Welcome, Father John, and thank you so much for being with us. Oh, my joy, sister. Thanks for the invitation. And so will you lead us in a prayer as we get started? Yeah, I'd be honored to. Maybe we can invoke the intercession of St. John Paul II in a special way and we'll break open why that's the case in a moment. But I can't believe you did that, Father, because I just prayed to him before we went on the air. <laughs> there ask. you go, sister. See, the Holy Spirit's moving already. Don't you love it? <laughs> yeah, I do. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Father, we just uh, call right now upon the intercession of St. John Paul II, who was such a, an incredible communicator and herald of the gospel that through his prayers, your grace would descend upon this conversation and upon all the ears that join us, that we would be overwhelmed by what it is that your son has done for us, that we would be moved to surrender, perhaps for the first time, perhaps in a brand new way, or at least anew to him, and that we would be propelled and compelled to go out into this world which is so desperately in need right now to go rescue others even as we ourselves have been rescued. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Wow, it took like 30 seconds for the Holy Spirit to show up big time, huh? Don't you love it? <laughs> and another way he showed up is when you emphasized the word surrender in your prayer, because 
I have just become acquainted with something called the Surrender Novena. Are you familiar with that? Oh, I'm so glad. Yes, I love that. <laughs> well, I tell you, Father, <laughs> it has taken a control freak like me all these years to actually make that surrender prayer, even though, you know, theoretically it was in my head. But when you actually say, I'm going to turn everything over, my whole self, everything I own, etc., to God, you're thinking in the back, what's he going to do with all this and what's he going to do with me? But once you say it, it's fabulous. I mean, you really feel... You take care of it. Yeah, it's wonderful. I was just talking to an archbishop a couple weeks ago, and he said to me, he had just come across that novena himself. He says, I think I'm going to pray that every day for the rest of my life. I thought, good man, so much. I do. I say it every night now. Well, now, let's let's start on the word created, and let me ask you about the Bible. You told us we should not, or you say we do not read it literally, and I have to say, as a little kid, I did. I mean, I, I mean he's God. He can do anything. If he wanted to create the world in seven days, why couldn't he do that? Yeah, well, indeed, that, that's why a lot of people are confused oftentimes when they read the scripture, like, what genre am I reading here? Yeah. The Bible's made up of so many different kinds of genres. But I wonder, yeah. can I just take uh, one minute and back us up real real yep. big time? You go. Kind of maybe set a context for people. Yeah. Because, this, I mean, you and I are going to take two shows, and somehow we're supposed to claim to talk about all the scriptures, which isn't going to happen. So what we're, what we're going to try to limit ourselves to is what we technically call the kerygma, mm-hmm. which isn't exactly a word that just rolls off the tongue. It's a Greek word, right? which means the basic proclamation. Mm-hmm. So the, what we're going to try to confine ourselves to, or I'm going to anyway, is what's the core message? Uh, it's, mm-hmm. In other words, it's what Paul says when in Romans 1.16 he says, mm-hmm. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for mm-hmm. salvation. Mm-hmm. And so the gospel that he means there is not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's, it's the kerygma. It's the basic proclamation. And the reason I called upon John Paul uh, to intercede for us is because he said the result of hearing this proclamation should be that we are overwhelmed by what we hear mm-hmm. and we're moved to surrender ourselves to Jesus. There's that so word the again. The kerygma is four parts. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we're going to, exactly, we're going to surrender. So it's four yeah. parts, and the way I break the four parts open are these four words, mm-hmm. the first of which is created. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you and I have spoken offline before about mm-hmm. making sure that we get the first 11 chapters of Genesis, mm-hmm. and maybe for our purposes right now, it's just the first three chapters mm-hmm. of Genesis, right. And the first three chapters of Genesis, the question that right. I always say to people is, what am I reading? Like, what genre is mm-hmm. this? Is this history? Is this science? And one of my uh, great teachers, Father Francis Martin, used to say the best way to understand the first 11 chapters of Genesis are these are inspired poetry. Mm. So it's speaking truth, but it's a different kind of truth, right? So, for example. It's the way God wanted us to understand true. him. Is that right? Yeah, and, and poetry has a way of speaking to the whole person. I mean, that's why poetry moves people. You know, think of, think of you know, Hallmark has how many cards for Valentine's Day? No, you know, they've got <laughs> yeah. thousands right. of them, right? They're right. all right. saying the same thing. They're all saying, I love you. Mm-hmm. 
well, why don't you just say those words? Well, because I'm trying to find just the most perfect way mm. to speak to somebody's heart. And so they make tons of money on poetry, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a way to think about Genesis, at least those chapters. Is that they're a love letter from God. Yeah, and, and well, the whole scripture's a love letter, but it's speaking to not just my intellect, or my potential, or my capacity to reason, it's speaking to the whole of me. Like the periodical table doesn't move my heart. Yeah, I was going to say that. But it's true, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but poetry can move my heart. It can, it can cause me to cry. Mm-hmm. A great movie can cause me to cry, because it speaks to the whole person. That's what's happening in those first 11 chapters of Genesis. So if... <sighs> I guess it's I, I, it, it's hard to say with scripture writers, as you pointed out, they are being guided by the Holy Spirit, but they are human writers. So how do we know they got it right? I mean, we're always saying, how do we discern God's voice? So how did those sacred, sacred writers know that they were actually putting down what God wanted them to put down? Well, that's an awesome question. It's probably beyond what we can do right here. I would really strongly encourage all our listeners to, in fact, I just shared this with a a priest friend of mine today, the best short source, and I mean short, it's like Mm -hmm. 10 pages, Mm -hmm. to read with regards to Scripture and Revelation as a whole, which will give a better answer than what I can give on that right now, is to read the document from Vatican II entitled Dei Verba, just means the Word of God, mm-hmm. which is probably the single most important document on Scripture that I know of. And it's one that every Catholic, every Christian should read before they start reading the Bible mm. to help understand how does a Catholic approach Scripture mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what's going on here. And it'll go into, in a way that probably we can't right now, um, right. some of the reasons for understanding exactly that question. So how how, so, well, how do people find that? For, yeah, uh, Google or use whatever other search engine you might be using right <laughs> yeah. now. Dei verbum, two words. Mm-hmm. First word is D E I. Mm-hmm. Second word V E R B U M. Okay, it's one All of right. the four main documents from Vatican II. All right, so we'll, so we can deal with what it is that that God has revealed. Let's leave to the side for a moment. How did, okay. how, did, how did that happen? Because it's a long process of mm-hmm. how did the canon of Scripture become the canon of Scripture? <laughs> we'll do do four shows on that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Holy cow. <laughs> so what we're left with in, in Scripture, what, what's, you know, that, that first point that, mm-hmm. that we want to try to help people understand is what Scripture reveals is an answer to a really profound question. And the question is, why is there something rather than nothing? Mm-hmm. Like, why am I here? Why are you here? Why are there planets? Why is there a universe? Why are there panda bears? Like, why is there anything? <laughs> mm-hmm. And what Scripture is revealing, most especially Genesis 1 and 2, because the answer to that question is everything is because God, who is love, willed it into being out of his love. He freely made it without effort. He didn't need it. I don't complete him. He wasn't lacking. He wasn't bored. He didn't make me to be a plaything. He didn't make me to be a slave. Mm. He made me out of love. He made everything out of love. And in a particular way, the highlight, the most important creature that he made, the one he loves more than any other, we know this, 
because God became a man, mm. is the human person, mm. which is to say man and woman are the creature at the top of the chart, if you will, in terms of importance in God's universe. And he made us for friendship and out of love. Mm-hmm. And this is why the church is so hung up, if you will, on the dignity of the human person, wherever we find that person, whether it's in a hospital or in a hospice center or in the womb or on the street, because there are no unimportant persons because every person is made out of love by God and destined one day to be divinized. The only place where it's really hard to understand that is when you look at some of the great, great sinners of, you know, demonic dictators, etc., he made them, and he wanted them to be saved. That's well, hard. We don't know that they aren't. I mean, they could right? be. I mean, we don't, they could be. Yeah, I mean, the, we've canonized lots of people. We haven't put anybody in hell that we know. <laughs> the only person that we knows in hell is Satan and his minions, right? I know, so and I think we tend to put Hitler there, don't you? And one day yeah, I got... probably a number of us put some other people there too. You know. Like, uh, <laughs> Um, but 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 God didn't make anybody to perish, right? God desires no. that all would be saved, and you know He He created us all uh, with the capacity for freedom. And the reason that He made us free is because, you know, what fulfills the human person, the end of every human person, is love, to mm-hmm. be loved mm-hmm. and to love. And I can't love if I'm not free, right? But of course, if I'm free, that means I can choose not to love you. Mm-hmm. And so God if you will, takes a risk in creating us all because he gave us the capacity to reject him, which is really remarkable. <laughs> I've often said this prayer, not often, but I've said, Lord, you are the greatest, smartest, greatest being in the universe, but you made one mistake, <laughs> free will. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I get that prayer, but boy, but, but without it, we would be robots. Yeah, exactly. I know. And God that. doesn't want robots. God doesn't want slaves. God want God's a lover and he wants to bestow his love on us and then he wants to move us to love him and each other because love is the only thing that will ever satisfy. Well, listen, if I could be a <laughs> a robot and be get to heaven, I'll settle for being a robot. But now we yeah, have but to you wouldn't be able to love and then you wouldn't get to heaven. <laughs> So we now have to go to the word captured, which is the second yeah, word. This is, so this is a really important one, I think, to get right. So, you know, another way to think of the kerygma, or the basic proclamation of the gospel, or just to understand gospel in general, gospel means good news. Mm-hmm. Not advice, it's news, and it's not just news, it's extraordinary news, it's life-changing news. And one of the reasons why it's life-changing news and such good news is because the bad news is horrific mm. and mm. we rarely spend time talking about the bad news mm. so you know these four words look at these four questions the first mm-hmm. question is why is there something rather than nothing mm-hmm. the answer to that is because god chose to create it out of his love which provokes another question okay <laughs> if god's so good and he made everything that is and everything that he made is good why is everything so messed up mm-hmm. And the scriptural answer to that question is because one of the creatures that God made, who was good, who was an angel, whose name was Lucifer, at a certain moment, right, in, in a way mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. even that's kind of not an accurate way of talking because the angels are outside of time, this creature 
out of envy of God's plan for you and me, rebelled against God and went to war against the creature that God loves the most, which is you and mm. me. I always thought he it was that he envied, until I read your book, I always thought he envied God and that he wanted to be God himself. No? Yeah, so... So it's, it's both, right? It's a both and, but it's the, the key, I think, for most... This was a game changer for me, is that it's not just God. Satan knows he's a creature. Mm. He knows he's not equal mm. to God. He wants to be like God, mm-hmm. but he knows he's not. Mm-hmm. But he's not just envious of God. He's envious of the plan that God has for the human race, for every mm-hmm. single person, which means the demonic attack on us, temptation... Mm-hmm seduction, all those things, they're mm-hmm. very personal, and they're aimed at our destruction. So the, the, the divine plan is that, I mean, St. Paul says this, that, you know, like, we will judge angels, what exactly that means, mm-hmm. I'll leave to somebody else to describe, but the divine plan is that you and I would, would partake of God's life in a way that even the angels don't participate in. Mm-hmm. And this plan so outrages this angel, and he's so envious of it that he goes to war against us. And then what happens, and we see this in Genesis 3, in a poetic way again, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he he deceives our first parents and tricks them into selling themselves and our race into slavery to him. And there's two things in a particular way that you and I are enslaved by or captured by. And the two things are death and sin, mm-hmm. which are both best written with capital letters. And they're easy as all get out to prove. Like the only thing every one of us knows is I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. No one gets out of this life alive, right? Yeah, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> and if God doesn't do something, I am forever stuck in futility, mm-hmm. right? No. So I'm, I'm captured by the power of death. I'm incapable of competing against it. I don't care how much money I have. I don't care how much technology I have. I don't care what kind of doctor I have. I'm going to die. And the other power that I'm captured by is sin, which, again, is best written with a capital S. And people sometimes, you know, we don't think much about sin uh, in this modern world, but I think this is really easy to prove. I just ask people, like, have you ever done anything that you didn't really want to do Mm. that you knew <laughs> you shouldn't often? do and that, mm. and that maybe you even hated doing and mm-hmm. you did it anyway. Mm-hmm. And like everybody's sitting there going, uh, yeah, like all the time. <laughs> like St. Paul. Say, well, <laughs> yeah, right, it's, it's Romans 7. And so yeah. you ask yourself the question, well, why do I do that? And the answer to that biblically is because you're powerless against sin. There's nothing on your own that you can do to fight it on your own. Nothing. So we've been captured by these powers, and the human race now is enslaved without God doing something. We have no hope, which is why, why yeah, I guess you'd our ask, work as disciples is so urgent. Yeah. Why did God allow Satan so much power? And he still has, even though our Lord rescued us. Oops, I'm jumping ahead here, but... Um, yeah, we'll get to that. But but why he, he he still has so much power, that puzzles me. 
Yeah. So you and I are trying to understand with both finite minds and without knowing how everything ends, the story. Mm -hmm. And that's literally beyond our comprehension. St. Augustine and others would always say, the only reason God allows evil is that good would come out of it. Mm -hmm. And somehow, so maybe a simplistic way of thinking of this right now is, <laughs> one day, everything's going to make sense. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense to me right now, mm -hmm. but one day it will. And the only reason God allowed... Or maybe another way to think of it, when God created us, he saw everything that was about to happen, and he still thought it was worth doing. So the ending has to be extraordinary. And we've already glimpsed I, it, and we'll touch on that when we get I to it. I can't wait for it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, we, we got, it's a bad place to be stuck in slavery, you know? <laughs> no. But yeah. well, what's what's so crucial here is just to is make sure people, this is why, this is what leads me to being overwhelmed. It's not until I recognize I, on my own, had no hope, and God didn't leave me there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, uh, as one person said, it's really essential to have a biblical vision of reality, which is to understand it's not just me and God on a stage, and when something's wrong with my life, it's because God's punished me, or he's put me underneath his magnifying glass, mm -hmm. and he's burning mm -hmm. the wings off of me like I did when I was a kid with bugs. No, 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 there's three persons on the stage, not two. There's God, me, and the devil. Yeah. And I, I have been born into a battle. This is not neutral territory. This is occupied territory. And I wish it weren't, but that's a biblical vision of reality. This is a war that we are born into. And the enemy is the enemy. It's not another political party. It's not another race. It's not another gender. It's not another economic strata. It's the enemy. It's Satan and his minions. And that's really important for our culture right now to get. I know. this. Our culture tends to totally ignore sin. It doesn't exist. But why are we so prone to sin? Because baptism takes away all our sins when we're baptized, right? So, But we still suffer the consequences of sin. And we, we have concupiscence. If we didn't have that, we might do better. Well, so two things here. One, we want to make a distinction between those who have not been baptized, who are still in a very real way enslaved to the power of sin. They have no mm -hmm. chance. Right. Those of us who have been baptized have a chance. <laughs> it's not an all clear. Yeah, for it's sure. Now we actually have a chance. W without the grace that God gives, and without trying to grow in virtue and developing good habits, we have a chance, but we still struggle, even though God's grace is in us, because we have memories, we have habits, and we have fallen instincts. But I can, by God's grace, overcome them if I want to, which is really kind of sobering for me, because it means at the end of the day, at least for some things, sometimes I just don't want to, which is, again, really humbling. More often than more you want. <laughs> yeah, probably more humiliating than humbling. Well, now, the devil is the father of all lies, correct? Correct. Okay. How about... And he's a creature. Right. Which, so, is, which is really important. He's not an equal to God. Right. Okay. What's some, something I'm throwing in here that... that I shouldn't do this, I guess, when we're uh, going down the line here. But questions always bothered me. He's the father of all lies. 
So how about when, say, for instance, pro-life people do this, um, do undercover strategies to trip up people who are actually involved in abortion, but they, they have to use lying to do it. I mean, at the end, we always say the end does not justify the means. Now, their end is a good end, but they're using means that are of the devil. So if, if, if he's the liar, if he is the father of all lies. Uh, that, sister, is a really good question, because you are very correct that the ends do not justify the means. Um, that gets into a weighty moral discussion. Um, not everybody is entitled to the truth, so... You know, like I could be hiding, a, you know, it's World War II and I'm hiding, hiding Jewish right. men and women in my basement and you knock on the door and say, do you have any, you know, Jews here? I could say no and I don't think that's a lie because you're not mm-hmm. entitled to that truth because I know mm-hmm. you're going to kill them. Mm-hmm. Presenting myself as something that I'm not, even to do good, I'm not, I'm not trying to call into question what some yeah. really good people are doing. I'm just saying yeah. that's a little bit thornier of a topic for me. Yeah, uh, but again, I, I'm not trying to condemn that. I'm just saying it's a little thornier. I'd like to hear their their reasoning, and they they probably would try to come up with something. Okay, maybe right. maybe right now it might be just be worth saying to people uh, just to build on what you said, the father of lies. What's so important to get out of this as we try to understand the story mm-hmm. is Satan has one primary lie. This is his ongoing game plan with each and every one of us. His root strategy is to try to deceive us into thinking that God is not a good father. Mm-hmm. That God mm-hmm. is holding out on us. He's not to be trusted. Um, he's not good. And if we would only rebel against him, we could be happy on our own apart from him. That is not only the lie that he tells Adam and Eve, that's at the root of the deception of Adam and Eve. It's also the root of every deception that you and I fall for. Mm-hmm. God is constantly being placed in a state of suspicion. Okay. All right. It's crucial to know that. Uh, we haven't, because I've gotten too many questions in here, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but we could talk a lot more about created and captured, but those are parts one and two of Father John Ricardo's book, Rescued. And Father will be back next week with parts three and four, which are Rescued and Response don't miss the conclusion of this gospel thriller and then we will tell you just how you can order your own copy thank you again father john ricardo for being with us on a place of peace